I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I said. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, vians, and things to episode 68 of the Muppet, Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite friends. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. I don't know what's wrong with my mouth today. <laughs> Do you want to take it again? No, go keep going, man. All right. Our two favorite franchises. Jarman, tell them about it. Oh, uh, those are the Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews sometimes when we can talk of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. But tonight we're here to just mumble at you <laughs> and laugh in between cries. And this week we have a special Muppet Show guest, Elka Summers, and the original series episode, The Empath. Yes. And uh, we do have some feedback before we get into that. We have uh, William... William Lamond over email. He actually uh, emailed, I think, either the Play on Nerds or one of the other shows because he had uh, found us through the, um, oh, God, what's their, the Cosmic Pizza podcast. He found mm-hmm. us. Uh, he says, hi, nerds. I've been loving the episodes about three so far that I've heard. I especially enjoy the transporter malfunctions. Woohoo. Uh, but it hurts to hear you say Miramani over and over. That was a, from a previous episode, the um, Native American woman that Kirk marries um, and has a child with. Uh, he says, what possessed you to think such an odd pronunciation would be used? I got to see this episode on broadcast back in the late 60s, which is pretty badass. Uh, her name was pronounced Miramani. That's the uh, things he has uppercase there. Now, isn't that more melodic and beautiful? Please take the time to treat yourself and watch all of the two episodes. Even if you think you remember them well, you'll have more fun. And so will we. <laughs> so Steve and I had some umbrage to take with that because we definitely watched these episodes right before we record these episodes. <laughs> I watch every one of these episodes a minimum of two times. The issue is, is that I then take notes and then I'm reading them out loud. You watch them the two times. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I do. I try to do each with like a passive watch. Mm. And then I try to do one with like notes. That's awesome. It doesn't always happen, but that's all. That's typically my goal. Gotcha. Yeah. And plus Captain Kirk, uh, Mr. William Shatner doesn't always say things correctly. So it's hard to know that's if he's right. saying things right. Cause he'll say sabotage the systems. And then Spock will say correctly, sabotage the systems. So can we, who can we believe here? Spock says stuff weird now that I'm thinking about it. These are all unreliable narrators, but uh, anyways. just like us unreliable narrators, but we will do our best in the future. To God damn it, get it right. And we have a second email from Mr. William Lamond, and he says, Hi, nerds. I work as a part-time generate. Uh, sorry, I'm not generator, a part-time janitor. <laughs> we can't yeah, talk to that. Because we asked him what, what he did that he was able to, to listen to podcasts. Right. And from the next sentence, I'm taking it that he works as a janitor in some kind of medical facility. He says, uh, while waiting for a doctor, I reread my company's employee regulations, which actually uh, prohibit earbuds. But I value my hearing and can easily hear if someone in the building talks to me, which is cool. Uh, listening to podcasts is the only way someone with an I- with a 160 IQ stuck in this job because of disabilities, all from the neck up, can stand clean- cleaning in the same building the same way day after day. Uh, my family spells our last name one way and says it another, so it's our fault. But please pronounce my name such that Bill Lamond rhymes with Phil the Pond. That I've been saying it correctly now, so sorry about that. Nailed um, it. I know... I don't have to include that in every email to you for a while. It's okay. Stay safe, Bill. You won't have to include it every time. We got it. The good news is, is that we only have like four fans. (laughs) So you get name recognition. 
And you know what's funny? I think back in the day, a long time ago, our other uh, friend of the show and Cosmic Pizza host, uh, uh, Daniel Peter Hitch, I think, if I'm not incorrect about this, used to be used to stock shelves a long time ago when he first started getting into podcasts. So he would sit there for stocking shelves for a long time and then just, you know, be listening to podcasts the whole time. It's a good job to have for podcasts. That's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, keep on listening. We'll keep on bringing it to you hard. That's right. And we do watch the episodes. <laughs> God, do I watch these episodes. So, Steve, tell us about our guest star this week for Muppet Show, Miss Elka Summer, I think. Well, Scooter pronounces it Elka right in the opening, but then immediately afterwards, Kermit introduces her as Elkie. So I don't know. She is, for the most part, referred to as Elka by most of the cast. I think that's right. Uh, Well, Elka Summer was a German actress, artist, singer, and overall performer. her heyday was kind of in the mid sixties to the early seventies. So what does our audience know her from? Well, as I mentioned, her biggest roles were behind her in her career at this point, but she was in big movies like a shot in the dark, which was a sequel to the pink Panther. And then there were none, the Agatha Christie Mm. uh, novel slash play turned into a movie. Um, But besides those things, probably nothing else is her more recent credits are all for German productions. Ah, gotcha. But what's she up to on this show this week? Well, backstage this week, Beaker is hiding from Dr. Bunsen Honeydew because he doesn't want to be terribly injured again. <laughs> this time, I think it was a, a diesel face shaver. <laughs> that looks yeah, terrible. It's terrifying. He gets recruited by Beauregard to help build an Egyptian set for the closing number and ends up hurting himself anyway because Beauregard is very, very accident prone. Uh, that's the majority of the backstage on stage this week. Kermit introduces Bobby Benson's baby band. Ugh. The babies come out and play Pennsylvania six, 5,000 with a series of baby instruments, including kazoos and a pink baby drum set. Next up is Elka dressed up like a creepy little girl singing <laughs> animal crackers in my soup. It feels inappropriate. And thank God Kermit says something. <laughs> she tries again, but this time it's far too adult and sophisticated. And so she asks, he asks if she can do it their way. And so she comes out as just the head of a floppy armed puppet and makes it really silly for the final run through. <laughs> Following this week of Pigs in Space, the swine trick is about to land on the planet Coosbane. Uh, they reveal that TV cameras are going to make whatever pig touches down first famous. So Piggy wants to go. Link Hogthrob can't figure out how to use the doors and then eventually falls out. Hitting the stage again, Bobby Benson's baby band. This is the UK spot. This time performing Tuxedo Junction. The babies give another adorable rendition. We then cut back to the Coosbane, the service of Coosbane, where the swine trek has landed. And they can't find any life. They're searching around. And then right after they leave, the rocks come alive and think that they're, they've been invaded. Mm-hmm. Following up is the wild world of Muppet sports. This week, the finals of fish shooting contest. <laughs> Featuring a goldfish and a bull and a hunter with a shotgun, and somehow the shotgun misses. <laughs> Finally, we get Elka, Elka's closing number, Row, 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 performed on an Egyptian set that Beaker and Beauregard worked on. Animal beats the pace drum as rowers pull the boat and increases speed until it's a fever pitch and the boat sinks. Kermit thanks Elka Summer. Beaker runs on stage with a chainsaw, which causes a panic, and this is what we called the Muppet show this week. <laughs> Jarman, what did you think about the Muppet show with special guest Elka summer? Uh, first I will say no to the babies. Like they were on previous episodes and they're so creepy. <laughs> There's something <laughs> wrong with those weird twisted up faces of theirs. And I don't like it. I don't like it. 
I mean, but that's reality, though. Like, <laughs> no. Fresh babies and old people do look kind of the same. I guess. There's some weird guy with a, with a, a cigarette who's leading them. I'm just like, this yeah, is Bobby Benson. <laughs> this is creepy as hell. What the hell's going on? So, I just imagine he like ushers them into a kennel at the end of the act. Oh, God. Takes them to a van. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, that's over. And then they bring them out again. And I'm like, no, <laughs> get those babies that's away right. from me. Um, I, I don't know what I wrote this down. Piggy giving him the five was funny. What does that mean? I know that meant something. Piggy giving him the five? In quotations, five was funny. I I don't remember. Huh. I don't it's know either. Note. That's weird. Um, oh, In I, reference I, to slapping someone. Now that I'm maybe. Um, I There was the, the whole hammer sequence with a beaker and Beauregard was <laughs> Beauregard really funny. was good. Because he finally gets out of the way and then he still manages to hit him with the hammer. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that was good. Um, the different languages sketch with uh, Piggy and uh, Summer was funny. Um, like she's speaking uh, French with the only things that are on her perfume bottles. That was good. Uh, <laughs> and fun canon reference. Uh, they they talk asked about, well, what about the Swedish chef? Doesn't he speak Swedish? And they've revealed in another episode that he, in fact, does not speak Swedish. Yeah, he's just speaking he his own like mock Swedish. Yeah, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. <laughs> Um, and the final number was really elaborate and a lot of fun. I really liked that a lot. And her as a guest star I really liked. I think she's great with the Muppets. She's very talented and sexy. I'll go out there and say it. I'll go out on a limb. Um, so who could ask for more? So, yeah, I love the opening number. She had to do three times. That was very meta of them to, like, say, do it in the Muppet <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, so I don't know. What, what do you think about the episode? Well, you said who could ask for more was well, this goddamn guy. <laughs> Uh, I just felt like she wasn't in enough of the episode. Hmm. Yeah. Now, mind you, they did use her a lot. She got to in that one opening number. You're right. She got to throw out, show off three completely different aspects of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, she had her and Gonzo talking backstage and then like the final number. I guess that's true. There wasn't a whole that lot of her to mess up it. Right. Um, and you're right. There were two Bobby Benson baby bands. Maybe one of those could have been better served as somehow including her. And I guess her, her numbers were pretty long. So there is that. Like those, yeah. that, that would have been like two smaller spots for a different guest host. So, you know, they were pretty long numbers. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, there wasn't a lot of other sketches, I suppose. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like maybe they, that they underutilized her, but that's not necessarily her fault. Right. Um, and then, and I said, a little bit repetitive with the Bobby Bensons, but we got an extra lar, uh, long pigs in space. That's true. Two two scenes of pigs in space. <laughs> so maybe that's a decent trade-off. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's an, a solid upper middle episode for me. Not a, no, no kind of top 10 or anything like that. But... I, I'd put it kind of bare middle. Right? All right. That's fair. That's fair. This I'll... might be the middle episode. <laughs> it's like right there in the center of the season. <laughs> that's fair. Well, music this week, there were some doozies. Pennsylvania 65,000 mentioned performed by, uh, God, I just want to say it again because you hated it so much. <laughs> Bobby Benson's Baby Band. <laughs> uh, well, it was written in 1940 with music and lyrics by Jerry Gray and Carl Sigmund. It was originally court- recorded on phonograph. That's how old it was <laughs> by Glenn Miller and his orchestra. And it was a tribute to the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City, whose number was at the time 65,000. And uh, by the way, little known trivia fact about that song, I played it in jazz band in high school. Oh, <laughs> uh, crap. Uh, Animal Crackers in My Soup, first song in 1935 film Curly Top by the one and only Shirley Temple. The music was by Ray Henderson, a vaudeville composer. He did other hits like Bye Bye Blackbird and I'm Sitting on Top of the World. 
I'm sitting on top, on top of, of the world. world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tuxedo Junction. This was another big hit for Glenn Miller of Pennsylvania 65,000 fame. It was featured in the 1953 biopic about his life in which Jimmy Stewart oh. played Glenn Miller. Very nice. And then finally, Row, 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 written by James Monaco and Williams Jerome. It was a part of Zigfield Follies, which was a high-end Broadway musical review, which ran on Broadway for over 25 years. Wow. German, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this weekend? God I'm going to this go, episode. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give it to Row, Row, Row. I just think that was just incredible set pieces, a lot of Muppets to wrangle. And just like for that all to go down the way it did was pretty astounding. So I, I'm giving it to that. And she looked really hot in that outfit. So fair. I'm going to give it to the the fish shooting. Nice. Because the fish inside the bowl was a very simple effect, but it worked really well. And they sold it with the squirt at the end. That's a very good point. I like that. But that fish was much bigger. But then by putting it behind the bowl, it put it right down to the right size. That's true. It was well done. That's not easy. Simple effects. Mm -hmm. So, German, what happened to this week of Star Trek, the original series? Oh, boy. So we have Star Trek episode The Empath. So the Enterprise is sent out to recover uh, some research personnel on Minara 2, this other planet, because the star near it is about to go supernova. So Kirk, Spock, and Bones go down to get them and send the Enterprise away to get a safe distance from the solar flares that are happening from the nearby sun. So suddenly, when they're on the planet, they get transported to an underground lair in the planet and find themselves trapped there with a single woman laying there. And she's apparently a mute with no vocal cords, and Bones just randomly decides to call her Jem for some reason, <laughs> which is a cute name. Jem and the Holograms. Uh, suddenly, two aliens appear and attack them, and they injure Kirk. Uh, and so they figure out that Jem is an empath, as she can sense their emotions, and she can even take on Kirk's in injuries onto herself, and then she heals her own self from the injuries. So she has some kind of superpowers. And they start to search the cavernous room that they're in, and they eventually find a laboratory and giant tubes where the two missing research personnel are, but they're both dead in the tubes, frozen in a really gross position. Um, and then one of the aliens arrives, but Spock hits him with a nerve pinch, and they're able to escape to the surface. But once there, they see a smiling Scotty there with a landing party. He's waving to them all happy-like, but they quickly find out that it's just an illusion created by the aliens. So the aliens transport them back to the lair, but take Kirk and Jem to the laboratory where they start torturing Kirk with his shirt off, of course. And the aliens who are called Vians, uh, or Vians, say that they are experimenting on him just as they did with the now dead research personnel, but they won't tell him what the point of the experiment is. Um, so then Jen and badly injured Kirk are sent back to where Bones and Spock are, and Jem heals Kirk again, but only after Bones encourages her to do so. And it seems like it takes a lot out of her, and Kirk is still woozy afterwards, but he's mostly okay, because he has the effects of, like, the bends, which is very strange. Uh, so the Vians come back, and they say they need another test subject, and since Kirk is the captain, he must choose who that next test subject will be. And they say that Bones will most likely die from the experiment, and Spock will most likely severe, suffer severe brain damage. So they leave and let Kirk decide, but Bones hits Kirk with a hypospray to knock him out. And Spock then tells him, oh, that was a good idea because now I'm in charge and I get to choose myself to go. But then Bones hits him with a hypospray as well, knocking him out as well. So Bones then tells the returning Vians that he will volunteer as their experiment. And when Kirk and Spock eventually wake up and they find Bones gone, they use one of the Vian devices nearby to transport themselves to where uh, and, the, and Jem to where Bones is being tortured. 
And he's pretty much dead at this point, near death. Um, So they untie him, and they're about to urge Jem to go heal Bones like she did Kirk, but they're frozen in place by the Vians. And the Vians tell them that Jem must choose on her own volition to risk her life to save Bones, because apparently this is a test to see if her race of people on a nearby planet are worth saving, because they can only send one planet full of people away to avoid dying from the supernova, and the rest of the planets in that system are just going to die. Um, so Jem eventually does try to save Bones, but he gets enough strength in him to push her away, saying he doesn't want her to die saving him. And the Vians say that it'll only count if she actually risks her life or dies saving Bones. But Kirk then convinces them with some Kirk-Fu brain stuff to <laughs> tell them that they've lost all their compassion, and they're just thinking purely logically with no compassion that Jem has definitely done enough to pass. So he seems to convince the Vians that they are... The error of their ways, and um, they heal bones themselves and Jem, and it appears that they've let Jem pass the test, and they disappear, and Kirk, Spock, and Bones return to the Enterprise, and have a really weird conversation about the Bible on board with Scotty. Uh, so, so there were there were I think two kind of goofy biblical quotes. Yeah, it was, in this it was, episode it was odd. It caught me a little off guard. <laughs> me too. So, what do you think of this episode, Steve? Uh, so things I liked, I liked that the that when they were in the their prison for lack of a better term it was almost like a black box play yeah with unique settings and weird set pieces that kind of insinuate a set <laughs> like there was something kind of like college theater about it that i really dug it was apparently because they had no budget left in the third season <laughs> i loved the alien the was it vians is that right vians or Vians? i can't remember how they said it in the Vians. episode uh we're sorry yeah bill we'll get it. <laughs> uh, sorry bill uh I loved him faking falling for the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, that was cool, actually. Like, you put it down and he just immediately looks up. He's so, like, like a little childish <laughs> grin on. <laughs> um, and I, I had mixed feelings on this, and I'll get a little bit more into it, but I thought it was interesting to see that some other species being the good guy, mm. quote unquote. Yeah. Like, they're doing um, bad stuff, but they're for a good reason, I guess. And there was something almost meta about the fact that because we've seen super advanced races test humans many times oh, so yeah. far in this series, just for like seemingly no reason. But not only did they test the humans, but the, the humans were being used to test an even <laughs> more, less advanced race. Yeah, there was something very meta and satisfying about that. <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. Uh... <laughs> Um, things I disliked a little bit. Jem uh, was just so weird. She's very odd, like a dancer kind of floating like a around. Dancer. She had a weird mime-like quality to her, and not only in her silence. The way she moved. Big, overdrawn, and very smooth movements, but a dancer. Yeah, you, you, you hit it on the It's head. like interpretive that, dance. Really it was strange. Um, So that was just weird. It made her a tough sell (laughs) and sort of dubious powers defined for the alien race, Uh, reverse force field and also time slowing and mirage stuff. (laughs) And they're immune to the Vulcan nerf pitch. It just got really dubious after a while. Do whatever they want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, So, yeah, I think that that was tough for, you know, I always hate that. When they just can't define mm. what the power is. Even in Marvel movies and stuff, it's like, just have a set guideline put in place. Yeah. What does, so what does Scarlet Witch do again? Everything, anything. Magic. What the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> oh, uh, so, 
overall, I, w- I would put this sort of very much in the middle. Yeah. I think it's a experience so far. solid middle for me, too. Yeah, it's nothing great, nothing terrible. It was a decent, interesting story enough to keep me going, but meh. So as far as uh, trivia goes for this episode, this was DeForest Kelly, uh, Bones. It was his favorite episode. I bet it was because he had a lot of screen time on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is one of two, like, Doctor Doctor episodes I can think yeah, of. Yeah, heavy Doctor episode. Uh, regarding the sequence of Jem absorbing the boils uh, from uh, Bones, Catherine mm-hmm. Hayes, the actress who played Jem, had to be strapped to a board in order to be kept absolutely still while makeup was applied and stop-motion photography filmed the progression. Um, the few moments that appeared in the scene took eight hours to film. Wow. And I thought they just kind of did some kind of blending technique through different frame, but no, that was actually stop-motion. I can't believe that. Um the empath was written by someone named Joyce Muscat, who was one of only four fans who were able to sell scripts to the original series. So this was a fan-submitted script that was put on on the wow. on the screen. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The orange-red flickers that accompany the Vian transporter effect are frames of the same effect created to represent the Medusan ambassador Kolos from that previous episode we watched not oh, long yeah. ago. Yeah, same exact <laughs> thing. And for our UK listeners in the United Kingdom, the BBC skipped this episode in all runs of the series through to the early 1990s. Uh, three episodes were also skipped, uh, Whom the Gods Destroy, Plato's Stepchildren, and Miri. And the reason given was because they dealt with unpleasant subjects of madness, torture, sadism, and disease. But as of 1990 and the early 90s, they're now in circulation, so... It's just weird that BBC decided to take this episode out. It's like they want to protect those poor, poor Brits. That's right. So do we have a Trek connection, Muppet connection this week? Boy, do we. Uh, Well, Elka Summer played different characters on three different seasons of The Love Boat. Yeah, she did. (laughs) And as we've established, many, many Star Trek one shots. And Muppet Show uh, guests have been on the love boat. Hell yeah, they have. <laughs> uh, also, Elka Summer and her then beau, Joe Hyman's, Hyams? Hyams, appeared on a celebrity couple televised show called Tattle Tales. And on the very same episode were featured William Shatner and his then wife, Marcy Lafferty. Well, look at that. That's a connection. Well, look at it. <laughs> look at it. Look what you did. <laughs> well, you got to look really close because it's hard to tell these episodes apart. They're so similar. I mean, so similar. First, we have Beaker getting electrocuted by Beauregard, just as Kirk and Bones get zapped by the Vians. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Both features someone behaving childlike. Jem, mm-hmm. the goofy empath, and Elka, <laughs> the in the when she was playing a little girl at the beginning of Animal Crackers <laughs> in my soup, and it felt really gross. <laughs> That's true. Same episode. I mean, Miss Piggy cannot communicate with Elka Summer in French, just as Jem cannot communicate with Kirk, Spock, and Bones in any language. Nice. (laughs) Both feature the crew trapped by something they don't understand. Bones, Kirk, and Spock by the kind of reverse force field thing. And Captain Link Hogthrob doesn't understand how doors work. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, what's that noise? Transporter malfunction. All right, it's that time of the show where we transport one character from one of the episodes to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Trek to Muppets this week. I'm going to bring over Jem the Empath uh, and just replace Elka Summer. 
because I wasn't super impressed with her. And something about her dance like movement made me think it would work out. Uh, yeah, be entertaining for Muppet episode. Sure. Just uh, her wandering around in like <laughs> flickery, fluttery hands. Yes. And then and then Beaker gets hurt mm. repeatedly and she absorbs his hurt from him. And eventually kills her because he's hurt so much so often. <laughs> right. But then she passes the the Vian test. <laughs> they they poured into the episode like you somehow have they're also there <laughs> this was also part of our experiment <laughs> uh i'm from trek to muppets i'm gonna have kirk come over and take the place of link Hog- hogthrob i can't believe we haven't done this before maybe we have uh he'll show them how a ship is really run and how you really make first contact with those rock people you know like he's, he's got it down it's true he's a diplomat that's right I'm up as a track. I've got taking the gangly green screen Muppets, I guess technically black screen at the time, from animal crackers in my soup and replacing the big brain viands. <laughs> just big, just big gangly, big eyed things. That would kind of work, actually. Their motivation would make almost as much sense. <laughs> uh, from Muppets to track, I'm going to have Miss Piggy come over to replace Jem because it would drive yeah. Miss Piggy completely mad not to be able to say anything for a whole episode. It is her holding her tongue for a whole episode. <laughs> oh, God. <coughs> I tried doing a Miss Piggy voice and started coughing. And he died. Oh, God. It's really hard to do Miss Piggy's voice. Oh, yeah. And not hurt yourself. So, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of episode 68 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Sylvester Stallone. An original series episode, Alan of Troyes. So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>